Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is John J.P. Podlasic of Game Dev Advice. I'm a 30-year veteran of the game development industry and have a podcast where I interview artists, animators, programmers, designers, CEOs, and all different types of people that work in the game development industry. Whether you're an aspiring or an experienced game developer, you'll find useful, thought-provoking, and sometimes funny advice on the podcast. So check it out. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hey, yeah, you. Did you know that Arcast is on Patreon? Go check out patreon.com slash Arcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small, such as our $1 tier to show your support. Or join one of our higher tiers to get a shout-out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Arcast. Thanks for helping us, and keep it retro. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is Arcast Mini, number 36. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a very special guest. Uh, he is basically the Das Wunderkind of techno music, if you will, uh, is Remute. So how's it going there, Remute? Hey there, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, we talked about like a story here. Uh, there was an, an, uh, an interview that you did with NoTechie.com. Uh, we talked about your upcoming album here, uh, The Cult of Remute, uh, which is going to be released on an SNES cartridge. Right. Uh, so that's really interesting. So I had to like look into it, and I saw that you did other albums, too, on a Sega Genesis cartridge, as well as a uh, floppy disk, too. So mm-hmm. um, I guess like the first question I have for you, then, is why even do this? Like, Why go through like all the trouble of making your music on these limited formats? I like limitations. I think limitations are very good for creativity and um, releasing music on authentic formats like cartridges or floppy disks really fits to some ideas I have right now. Mm. I think it wouldn't sound that good if I just slap it on a vinyl record or put it out on Spotify. Um, I think for the stuff I'm doing now, I need this authentic formats. Interesting, yeah, because um, I know for Technoptimistic, uh, which is your album on the Sega Genesis cartridge, there are like two different versions of that, I believe, right? Like there's like the CD version, and then there's like the more authentic version, which is basically on the cartridge, right? That's right. When you buy the cartridge, you, of course, can play it back on the on original consoles. And um, the reason why I've been doing this on the cartridge is that um, because um, the Mega Drive or the Sega Genesis, how you call it in the US, is... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually a kind of synthesizer that uh, plays the music back every time in real time when you when you switch it on yeah so the the stuff that is on the cartridge is like just um these are just instructions for the sound chip mm. and somehow the, the music feels alive when you play it from the cartridge so this is the most authentic format you can have for this kind of music. Yeah. So um, how would you describe, I guess, like the differences uh, with like creating music 
uh, compared to the SNES cartridge and compared to the Genesis cartridge? Because obviously, like with both formats, like the, the you know, like the sound quality is very different in that case. Yeah, I think these are actually two different stories. Um, the music on the Mega Drive or Genesis. Oh, let's choose one one name for this podcast. Sure, let's yeah, yeah. Genesis. You can say Mega Drive if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> let's say Genesis. Um, <laughs> the music on the Genesis is, um, gets generated by a FM synthesizer. It's it's uh, it sounds very electronic. It sounds pretty cold. It's um, it's just one sound actually that you can make different songs with. When you work with the SNES, you can load up many samples because the SNES is a kind of sampler. And the music can sound however you like. I think the SNES is a kind of T one thousand from Terminator. You know, <laughs> yeah, it can sample every everything it touches. It's malleable and, uh, in the sense, yeah, like yeah. it change shape and form. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, working with the SNES was more. I was feeling like the T one thousand, and um, I had to sample many sounds and. It felt very different than working for Sega Genesis, yeah. Very cool, yeah. Because um, I was even looking on your Bandcamp uh, page here, and you actually got into like, a little bit of detail uh, with the Cult of Remute, which is the one that's on the SNES cartridge that's coming out. Yeah. So uh, you say here, actually, that songs get played back by the console's SPC-700 sound chip in real time. What kind of like difficulties, I guess, did you come across like with like that particular sound chip or just like learning that? Or was that just like something that you already knew beforehand? While the sound chip of the Genesis was was more kind of a synthesizer that can listen to instructions, the the sound chip of the SNES is more like a kind of a very limited sampler that has um, 64 kilobytes of RAM. Mm. And in these 64 kilobytes of RAM, you have to fit all the samples from a song, all the elements. And so you have to be very picky about the single elements and... Um, compress sounds down to a size where it still sounds cool yeah. not too bad <laughs> it's important yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah but the thing is the the SPC 700 from the SNS has a very interesting compression algorithm for its time uh, that it's very efficient and um, it can compress samples to a very very small size and it still sounds good and so having 64 kilobytes of audio RAM did work at the end. I mean, because um, I was listening to like one of the tracks here, which, which is a, You Can't Get Away With It. Um, and I noticed that there was like some um, some vocalization like in there as well. Uh, was that like tough to compress in there? Or? Yeah, <laughs> I was really um, surprised somehow that it worked out in the end uh, because um, it actually has a lot of vocals and um, they are very, very compressed, but I think they still sound okay. <laughs> yeah, it sounded um, great, honestly. I think, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the reason for this is because there's also some post-processing in the SPC 700. It has a very interesting echo effect that um, applies to all the samples. And so this kind of echo effect makes it more uh, lively than without. This is the special thing the SPC 700 has to offer. Very cool, yeah. And um, with Technoptimistic, uh, like the one on the Genesis cartridge, um, mm -hmm. you mentioned here also like how listening on the Model 1 Genesis is highly recommended, but Model 2 also works, Model 3, and the Sega Nomad, too. 
um, and it also works on the analog Mega SG as well. So, yeah. Um, can you explain, I guess, like what the audio differences, I guess, like between all those different models of uh, consoles or where you could play this on? Yeah. The uh, Model 1 has the best audio chip built, built in. It, it's the most purest FM sound you can get on the console. Um, Model 2 and Model 3 and Nomad did not have so good audio hardware built in from Sega. I think um, somehow they managed to decrease the build quality somehow. I don't know. They don't sound as good. So I really recommend Model 1 and, uh, of course, the Mega SG, because the Mega SG is the FPGA of Model 1, actually, and... Um, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, because like you know, I, I guess because of like more modern like hardware like attached yeah, to it. Like, there's yeah, gonna be modern like... hardware and uh, also has very clean sound. If you prefer prefer a very clean sound, the model one has probably a bit uh, dirty. If you kind of crunchy like sound that like the Genesis games are known for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Some some people like it dirty. Some people like it clean. so i guess like either you want like the clean mix or or the dirty mix in this case (laughs) yeah that's awesome yeah and um we mentioned earlier there too about limited uh which is like the album that you made on the floppy disc right um so i imagine that's going to be like a lot more limited like as as, like the title suggests right uh in terms of the sound quality uh what kind of difficulties did you come across with that when making that album yeah that was probably my first foray into um creating limited releases by using ancient formats like the the mod format it has its roots in the commodore amiga i don't know if you're familiar with it it is oh yeah i know that <laughs> yeah it's it's a home computer from the 80s from commodore and there was a music format called mod many years before mp3 was a thing it's a kind of format that gets also played back in real time by a computer this way you can um, manage to to keep the file size down that it fits on a floppy disk. Many people thought that uh, Limited is an album with some ultra-compressed MP3s, but uh, no, it isn't. It is an album with um, okay-sounding mod files, and um, you can play them back on an Amiga if you like, but you can also play them back on Windows PCs or Mac or Linux because there are still mod players today. Mm. Um, like good old Winamp or Fuba 2000. So Limited was my first foray into limited music, actually. So are the tracks on that like comparable to like MIDI music? Probably you can call the mod format like MIDI with uh, with an embedded sampler, you know? Okay. You can make your own sound banks and then you arrange the instructions, the sound banks get played back by the computer. So it's a kind of mix between MIDI and having a a built-in sampler into the file, and um, it's a very it's a very ancient format, but um, somehow it feels still fresh. And every time I think about the technology, it still blows uh, it blows my mind. And uh, having <laughs> a kind of embedded sampler into such a small file, it's it feels still cool. imagine you grew up as a big gaming fan as well uh, yeah. so were there any like particular games that you grew up with like that i guess like their music really affected you and like affected like your career yeah i think the music of the games was always very important for me when i was a child i think the music of the mega drive was always my my absolute favorite mm. because of the 
very special, unique sounding mood generated. Every game sounded like science fiction, even even golf games or <laughs> sport games. It all sounded like sound science fiction. And um, so this was my favorite back then. But I also liked the music of the of the SNS a lot because it was um, always different and it was um, there was more variety in the music. The SNES always felt like a very advanced synthesizer. And so I think the music from the from the Mega Drive and the SNES were always my favorites when I was a child. Were there any like particular, um, I guess, like game soundtracks that really grabbed onto? Yeah, of course. I, I really loved, I still love the music from Streets of Rage 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything Yusu Koshiro has done. And I really liked all the games that had very orchestral music, like uh, Final Fantasy or... Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think the, the SNS was always the, the console that, uh, that offered some orchestral music, uh, while the Mega Drive was more for science fiction stuff. Yeah. And so yeah. I, had both. I had it both. Yeah, I mean, I could tell that you're a Zelda fan, actually, because in your uh, CD version of Technoptimistic, uh, you have a link between the worlds as a as a track right. name there. So. That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge Zelda fan, of course, and... Uh, I, I think uh, my favorite Zelda is Link to the Past. A man of taste, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I also like the other Zelda games, but the Link to the Past, uh, I think nothing comes close. Yeah, it's a special sauce right there for sure. was your first exposure to gaming you would say i think my first gaming machine was actually a commodore c64 mm. same here actually <laughs> yeah. my parents bought me a commodore 64 when i was like five or six mm-hmm. they were like here take this you become a programmer and then you get rich <laughs> get smart here <laughs> i can remember that um that it was a used commodore c64 and with a lot of floppy disks, a lot of uh, copied floppy disks, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, some, with, uh, with some early, early demo scene stuff, or some some crack throws or intros and stuff like that. And um, um, do you remember like which games you played on the C sixty four? Yeah, I can remember my first game, which I managed to load up as a six or five, five or six year old, was um, Donald Duck for C sixty four. Oh, nice. The one <laughs> was a really nice game. Very cool, yeah. Yeah, because I know for me, like on the C64, um, I mainly played a lot of uh, Kickman, uh, which is basically where you play as like a clown and you're like on a unicycle and you're like trying to uh, pop the balloons on your pointy hat. Yeah, <laughs> I, think I remember this too. I remember this. Yeah, there were many great, great games for the C64 and um, it, it, it was my first machine. And I also really liked the sound of the, of the SID chip, of course, but. Um, yeah, it's probably not my favorite sound, but the the C64 is a very good synthesizer too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it definitely did actually now that I think about it. Because, um, I mean, like, it's not like the music was, like, great, like, from, like, a uh, design-wise anyway, but, like, the actual sound of it was very interesting. Uh, as you mentioned with the synthesizer, I mean, like, I'm just thinking of, like, the music that's played during Kickman. Because I don't think, like, a lot of the games really had, like, music really to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But Kickman definitely did because it was just kind of like this do 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 Like, it was kind of like that deep kind of sound, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
it has a very still a very unique sound and um i still use the c64 here in my studio as a synthesizer i have a synthesizer card for it oh, wow. and um you can generate some pretty interesting sounds and um yeah still using it very cool um, so obviously, like since you made music on a floppy disk, on a Genesis cartridge, and now on an SNES cartridge, uh, are there any other limited forms of media that you would like to make uh, like future albums on? <laughs> Who knows? I'm always exploring the possibilities and limitations. Mm. So if it's if it's limited, then it's for me. Yeah. Um, do you like the mini disc format by any chance? I still have a mini disc player, and I think the format is really interesting. Still very interesting. I never understood why it uh, didn't became a thing. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you why. Really, it's because of the iPod. Really, <laughs> the iPod killed it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But it's a very nice physical format. It feels very cool. And um, yeah, I had I had a, a time when I was really collecting some albums. 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> On the media uh, format, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it felt very good. I think um, very handy. You, you can put it in your pocket and you can... Almost like Game Boy games, yeah? It really reminded me of a Game Boy. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mini disc is pretty cool. I I'm always really happy when I see some mini disc releases on Bandcamp and uh, I bought some. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned with like the Game Boy earlier. Uh, do you think like an album could be made on a Game Boy cartridge as well? Um, actually, there are some Game Boy artists here in in Germany. There are many Game Boy artists like uh, Tronimal, for example. He uh, makes albums on a Game Boy cartridge. It's pretty cool. Hmm. I think there's a as there's a huge community of Game Boy musicians using the little sound DJ software. I think the Game Boy is also pretty good for chip music. It's, yeah. it's also a very, it's a very limited synthesizer, but uh, it has its very unique sound. It's probably not my favorite synthesizer sound, but um, the people who are making music for Game Boy are very, very talented, and uh, I like to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I've seen like some musicians uh, where they add in like a Game Boy to their um, to their soundboard, basically. So they like connect it to that. Yeah. They basically extract the synthesizer from that. Is that more or less how it's done? Like from your friends there. I think some friends are using the Game Boy as a synthesizer, as you said, but um, the, the guy I've mentioned, Tronimal, is using the Game Boy um, as a kind of player also. He puts out his music on, on Game Boy cartridges. Oh, wow. And, okay. Uh, you, can, you can play it back on your Game Boy, and it's pretty cool, and I'm a fan. So obviously there's like the Game Boy cartridge. Uh, do you think maybe a Game Gear cartridge could be in store for you? Um, I think not not personally for me because the the sound chip of the Game Gear is is too bleepy for me. <laughs> too many bleeps and bloops for you, yeah. <laughs> it's even too bleepy for me, <laughs> and um, I I couldn't imagine to put together some interesting sounds for it. But I don't know. I think it's possible for sure, for sure, because um, there are also trackers for the Game Gear, and there are also programs you can write music for it. Probably someone will do it. So just a hypothetical question here for you. Uh, if you could basically get like a time machine and uh, take yourself back to a time when your favorite game is being made, but you could put yourself in as a musician to work on the soundtrack for that particular game, which one would you choose? Uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. That's a tough mm -hmm. one. Because <laughs> um, yeah. I guess also you have to think about like where your style of music also lends itself, mm -hmm. but also like which one that you, that you feel like that you get like the most personal enjoyment out of creating. 
probably I would choose to make music for the Genesis version of Shadowrun because I'm a very fan of Shadowrun and um, cyberpunk in general. Mm. And I always felt the music of Shadowrun for the Mega Drive is a little bit too, uh, too relaxed and too chilled. And I would really make it more aggressive and more pumping and more cyberpunk. And, uh, I think that would be my favorite project back if I had been a sound designer in the 90s, I would really love to work on Shadowrun. like era of gaming do you feel like that there was like the most inspiration to make music in like it's obviously like you you have a like music today in games that are like more like orchestral or cd quality all that stuff uh but in the more limited formats like which era do you feel like was i guess like the most inspiring for like a lot of musicians to make music on probably the 16-bit era because um all the consoles from the 16-bit era had very unique sounding um chips built in and you can you you had to make music that it really um, is tailor made for this chip. You you couldn't just uh, slap on some um, some orchestral sound like like today's AAA games. They all all sound like Hollywood pictures, yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, back then you had to use a very very unique. Um, approach to make music and um, that made the 16-bit era so special and uh, music of course also and so it's my favorite era of game music because it really felt like game music yeah you can hear you can spot it's game music it's not music from um, the new x-men movie or something right like <laughs> exactly yeah I mean, like, you know, it is definitely like a very, uh, very, like, you know, gamey kind of sounding music for sure. But like, it's still music that I feel like a lot of people can still appreciate today as well. It's kind of timeless, like almost like the games themselves. Yeah. Um, I know Chrono Trigger is like a big one for me in that case, like, you know, where like oh, the yeah, music is just absolutely. One. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, I mean, like the music in that is absolutely incredible for me, but also like the game itself is still is still timeless to me as well. Like it's it still like holds up well today. Um, but like the music in particular, I mean, like it was uh, you know unreal, and like even like the composer for it, I mean, like you know he was you know he had to remake a lot of the tracks like after he lost like a lot of like work that he did. So it was, you know, and still come out with like a masterpiece like that is just, like incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good example for um, how the SPC seven hundred of the SNS did a, lot, a very good job at compressing samples and um, all these orchestral samples sounded very good on the SNES, but um, they were very short samples indeed. That's something that really amazes me about the SPC 700, that it could um, make such great music from just a few kilobytes of sound. For sure, yeah. And um, The Cult of Remute, uh, that is coming out next month, right? March? That's right, it's coming out end of March, March 30th. And the cartridge release will get then shipped out. The first batch comes as a red cartridge. Almost sold out now, but still some left. When you buy the cartridge, you get, of course, also the digital download package on Bandcamp. So you don't have to listen on your SNS, but I highly recommend it. 
Yeah, get like more authentic sound for sure in that case. Um, I'm guessing the red cartridge too is like a bit of an homage to Maximum Carnage on the SNES, right? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Probably more homage to um, to Doom. It was also a red cartridge. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was a very limited version, of course, but it was amazing to have Doom back then on your SNES. For sure, yeah, yeah. I believe that came in red. I know Maximum Carnage came in red. Uh, there was the Killer Instinct cartridge that came in black, I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it came in black. Yeah, yeah. I think I always was very interested in the the colored cartridges for the SNS. They are very interesting collector's items, and they really stand out from from the collection when you put them in your on the desk. Absolutely, yeah. There were simpler times, for sure, back then to uh, catch our attention. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, people can check out your music at remute.org as well as remute.bandcamp.com, and we'll have links for that in the show notes as well That's for this. Right. That's, so. right. That's right. You can find uh, every album I ever did on Bandcamp, and yeah. If you'd like to send us any feedback, opinions, retro games, or topics for us to cover, or anything at all, really, you can email us at argcast at retrozap.com, and be sure to check out RetroZap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts. It's your home away from home if you're crazy about Star Wars, Animaniacs, or pop culture in general. There's also us with Arcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes to subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. So there's absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast. Well, Remute, thank you very much for speaking with me here. And uh, where can people uh, also like find you online or like anything else you want to like promote here? You can find me on twitter.com slash Remute. You can find me on Instagram slash Remute Official. And you can find me on facebook.com slash Remute Official. And um, you can find me in your SNES or in your Mega Drive slot. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much, Remute. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. What's up, everybody? My name's Garrett Morlang. Hey, everybody. I'm JJ Prudhomme. And we are the Super Gamer Boys. And we are the preeminent video game podcast in the entire world. We are trying to take over the world with all of our comedy, with news and whatnot. And we are so excited to be members of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. Yes, we bring you uh, all the news you want to know every week. We bring you movie reviews, game reviews, uh, and all the goofs you want to hear. So come check us out every Wednesday on your favorite podcast service. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.